we're aware of that. In fact, it seems like uh, that we are being conditioned to believe the worst. We are being conditioned to believe the worst. That's what we are. It's what's happening to us. And, and, and just in case you don't believe that, I want to see now. When I say this, answer it with me. If you know the answer, answer this with me. I, I, want, to just, I, just, I want you to try this on for size. I'm going to start a sentence with this. I want you to see if you can finish it. All good things must come to an end. What goes up must whatever will be. See how you know? Hope for the best, but expect. You can't teach an old dog. Anything that can go wrong, <laughs> there's no such thing as a, I knew a few of you would miss that one, free lunch. Things go from bad, See, no, did you notice how good you were at that? It just seems that our proverbial wisdom has distinctively, a distinctively negative twist to it, don't you think? Our wisdom has just a negative twist to it. But faith holds a different view. My Bible does not suggest that all good things will come to an end. Are you with me? And we can expect the best because Christ took our worst. Do you believe that with me? Come on, I can expect the best because Jesus took the worst. Don't you stand back there and give me a long look. If Jesus died for you on the cross, then you better acknowledge that He died for you on the cross. Don't act like He didn't. Don't act like something bad's going to happen to you every time you turn the corner. Something good is about to happen. Something good is on the way. I know it is. We need to act like that God is going to do something good. I am not carrying the spirit of heaviness. I'm carrying something much longer. Grace teaches old dogs new tricks. And leopards can shed their spots. And what went wrong in the garden was made right at Calvary. <laughs> and you tell that 5,000 on the Galilean hill that there's no such thing as a free lunch. In God's world, things do not go from bad to worse. Let me, let me just share some good news today. Oh, Pastor, there's no such thing as good news. I'm going to stand back here looking mean, and I'm going to intimidate you. There is no devil in hell that can intimidate me. None. Don't even try. And don't you try acting like you're holier than thou and you don't believe any of this. Because if you're holier than thou, you're going to believe every word that I'm saying. Oh, I'm feeling good in the Holy Ghost that night. Mm. Unemployment is up and the dollar is down. Credit markets are tightening. Oh, I know if you keep your eyes on this world, and I believe that you can see all this. But I bid you to look up 
this evening. Don't look down. Don't look at everything that's around you. I want you to look up this evening. Lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help. I bring you, come on, I'm bringing you something tonight that's going to help you shed that spirit of heaviness and begin to put on the garment of praise. Begin to have joy in your heart. Begin to lift up your spirits and look to the Lord that can do all things. Praise God. Brother Hill taught this morning on choices, and you can choose to be an idiot and sit there and feel like everything's going to go down. Or you can choose to look to the one who holds everything in the palm of his hand, including your life, including your fortunes, including everything that you are. You can make a choice tonight that I am not going to let my emotions govern me. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost govern me. I'm not going to let everything around me tell me that it can't be done. I'm going to let the Lord of all glory tell me that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'm going to bring you a verse from Ezekiel 41. I'm going to read this from the King James Version. Uh, That's the the, the translation of choice. Then I must read it from another translation where you can catch what is really being said. That's Ezekiel 41, verse 7. And there was an enlarging and a winding about, still upward to the side chambers, for the winding about of the house went still upward round about the house. Therefore, the breadth of the house was still upward and so increased from the lowest chamber to the highest by the midst. There. Did you get that? You're back there and you're saying, Brother Robertson, there was over 50 words in that single sentence. There was two colons to boot. How do you even fit two colons into a single sentence? Okay, so let's go to another translation. Don't like this translation, but it's good here. NIV. The side rooms all around the temple were wider at each successive level. The structure surrounding the temple was built in an ascending stages so that the rooms widened as one went upward. A stairway went up from the lowest floor to the top floor through the middle floor. Now that's a whole lot better, isn't it? Whole lot better. You can sit down or you can worship with me, whatever you want to do. So we notice that Ezekiel climbed the stairway in God's house. He noticed that the higher that he got, the wider it became. So we're going to call this. Now, I, I had to have some help from, from, from um, Jamie Arumbai of, uh, of Eva to get this right. And I called her a little earlier. And we're going to call this the divine. She helped me with the pronunciation because I want to say crescendo. But she said it's crescendo. So I'm going to try to get crescendo in there. This is the divine crescendo. Now, there are two Latin words used by musicians and vocalists to indicate the increase or the decrease of volume. The word crescendo describes the strengthening of a note or a voice. Try that again. It denotes the strengthening of a note or a voice. The opposite is diminuendo describing the weakening of a note or a voice. 
a crescendo goes from a whisper to a shout. It's a crescendo. A diminuendo goes from a shout to a whisper. Okay. The world specializes in diminuendo. The world likes to take everything down. The devil likes to take it all down. The only thing down I need is my weight. All right, I, I, I don't need to do the world's thing. I want to do God's thing. So it wants to pull you down. Someone decides to accept God's offer of a brand new life. Do you know the reason that I feel the way that I do if you're in here visiting tonight and the reason people are lying this wall is because they're so in love with Jesus. They're letting you know we're keeping out all the world and all the devil. That's what men do. They keep all that out from the family. You know why they do that? Because one day, one day they got a hold of the divine crescendo. They decided they're not going to be down anymore. They're going to go up. God has offered them a brand new life. They accepted that brand new life. Now they feel the power of the Holy Ghost. Now they feel that, oh, there's something mighty, something great, something wonderful. Oh, that's serving God. That's what it's all about. But you see, when you get that new life, the world tries to dissuade you. They don't want you to be happy. Someone offers himself a willing vessel to God. The world tries to discourage you. Someone believes God can make a difference. The world will argue the point. Well, the world can argue all at once. It's too late to tell me that God hasn't made a difference. It's too late. I've got everything good that God can ever... And if you don't have anything, you're still better off than you once were. So what the world has, we're going to call the worldly diminuendo. It is the worldly diminuendo. And our world recently commemorated a diminuendo, if you would, in the music industry. Now, it's been some time ago, but it's not all that long. In fact, the event, some of you will remember this. Some of you won't have a clue what I'm talking about. The event was remembered. It's called The Day the Music Died. There's a song that goes along with that. Fifty years ago. A small plane carrying three young singers crashed in a frozen Iowa cornfield. And aboard that ill-fated plane was Buddy Holly, the big bopper, Richie Valens. And, and this diminuendo or this weakening of, of a note created the loss of such songs as La Bamba, Donna, Chantilly Lace, White Lightning, Peggy Sue, and That'll Be the Day. All the songs that these men sang and could have sung were reduced to a whisper. Not nearly so famous as these singers was Ted Daffin. He passed away a few years ago in Houston, and his single famous song was recorded by Johnny Cash and Ray Charles. This song reflects all the world has to offer. And the song is titled, Born to Lose. Born to Lose, some of the lyrics. I live my life in vain. Every dream has only brought me pain. All my life I've always been so blue, born to lose, and now I'm losing you. I read an article a few weeks ago that the phrase born to lose remains the most popular tattoo in American prisons. 
Now, when, when a forensic pathologist finds this tattoo on a person in his morgue, he knows that the deceased probably served time or suffered from drug addictions. Born to lose. Who would have that branded into your flesh? Think about it. Who would display the stigmata of shame for the world to see? Wise tattoo artist once said, he said, before tattoo and body, there has to be tattoo in mind. Or as Vince Lombardi, one of my fa- the only thing about good about football was Vince Lombardi. He, he's the guy that coined the phrase, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're already half hour late. I love that. I wish people could get a hold of it. Vince Lombardi said this. He said, winning is a habit. And he said, unfortunately, so is losing. When people grow accustomed to falling short, never crossing the finish line, born to lose is stamped in their minds and in their posture and in their attitude. Are you with me? Are you with me? I want you to get with me because we're going to kill this thing tonight. I want to expose it for what it is. Some of you have got this right here. You've got it. You've got the Holy Ghost right beer, but here you've got born to lose, tattooed. You can't win. Everything's bad. I don't care who you are. I don't care how little you are. I don't care how big you are. Nobody is intended to be a loser in the kingdom of God. Nobody. Nobody. have had dominion are diminished. A worldly diminuendo plagues humanity. Born in sin, born in sin. According to Psalm 51, 7, we fall again and again. That's the way it is in the world. Four is the number of the worlds in Scripture. The Bible speaks of the earth's four corners or hemispheres. Four rivers flowing out of Eden. Four points to the compass and so on. In a story in the gospel, four men lowered a paralyzed friend into the room where Jesus stood teaching. The best this world could do is let you down. That's the best they can do. Oh, you don't know. i got all these friends in the world. I have a good time. I party night and day. I drag myself in and I drag myself out in the morning. That's just it, man. It's got to be more than that. Dragging myself in, dragging myself out. Now, I guarantee when I'm done preaching, I can feel it coming on. I'm going to drag myself out of here probably. But you know what? I'm going to drag myself out without a hangover. I'm going to go to bed and sleep the sleep of the righteous. And I know if Jesus is coming tonight, I'm going to be ready to go. Oh, aren't you glad you know Him? Aren't you glad you're a child of God? If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can have it tonight and feel what I feel. Feel what everybody in here is feeling this evening. Oh, my God. The world specializes in diminuendo. But please notice that when the world lets you down, there's one who lifts you up. Mark 2, 1 through 12 tells you all about that. Jesus can reach down to that one that's let you down and give him new strength and lift him right up off the bed. 
Anybody in here ever been lifted up? I'll be the first one to get down here. I remember the night still just as well. Right up here is what it was when I had happened. Just remember just as clearly when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I felt brand new. I felt lifted up. I felt something. Don't you ever forget that. I don't care what the devil has done and said to you. I don't care what your personality is. Make a decision tonight, a choice. I am not going to stay down. I'm not going to be a part of this world diminuendo. To the world's diminuendo, God offers, Jesus offers a crescendo. He offers a crescendo up. He lifts us up from in, into heavenly places in Ephesians 2.6. Our feet are put on higher ground in Psalm 18.33. He brings us from the lowlands of despondency to the highlands of delight. And for all of the bad news in this world, there remains one who brings good news. You may be born to lose, but you can be born again to win. You can be born again to win. Now, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. If, if you're out there and you've had the Holy Ghost for a few years and you still won't go up, oh, my, oh, what was me? I'm telling you, things are can't get, get any worse. Then you know what I would do? If I felt that ignorant, if I was that bad off, you know what I would do? I'd walk in these pews. You think the old man could do it, did you? Now, I would get down here and get born again all over again. That's what I would do. I would come down here and say, well, you'll have to get born again all over again if you are still carrying so much le garbage. If you are still in such a terrible state and you can never seem to get out of it, I'd get down here and I have done it when I felt this bad. I have wallowed and talked in tongues and repented and did it all over again. And did it, and did it, until I got the victory. I did it until I got the victory. I would come down here and i say, God, I know that I've been born again, but I need it again because obviously I've never cut the umbilical cord to the world. Listen, I don't care how good you are. If you're down all the time, you've not cut away from the world. It's not a matter. No, no, don't, don't clap your hands. No. It's not a matter of how much you're at church. It doesn't matter if you don't do anything bad. If you're still depressed all the time, you have not cut away from the, from the world. You need to cut the umbilical cord. Chew it in two. Do something. He lifts us up in heaven, into heavenly places. He, he didn't want us to stay in the diminuendo. We're in the divine crescendo. We're going up. We're going up. A new chance, a new day. A new chance and a new day. They have come today, tonight. A new chance, a new day. No, you're not with me. I, you see, I believe this. Do you want me to walk across this so we show you? You know, do you want me to do that? No, I'm not going to. Don't worry. I don't have to prove anything. I know what I got. Huh? He said, my God, Brother Robert, you're acting like you used to when you were young. Occasionally, occasionally I get that way. Give me just a short time of it. It's about all I can handle. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm feeling good tonight. Mm. As the King James Version said in our text, there is an enlarging. As the prayer of Jabez says, enlarge my territory. In First Chronicles 4.10, in the day of dwindling returns, enlarge. 
That you, for those of you who don't understand that, I don't have, I, I, I don't have the resources in large. Do it anyway. If you're doing it for the right motive, you're going to get it. You understand what I'm saying? Enlarge. Enlarge. If God has said it, you can do it. In our text, we do not see a diminuendo. We see the exact opposite, a crescendo. Much could and should be said about the passage we read. And I want, just allow me a few things I want to say about it because I want the Holy Ghost to burn this in your brain. Let the Holy Ghost, God right now in Jesus' name, let the Holy Ghost open every mind of what I'm about to say. 2,500 years ago, God allowed a young man named Ezekiel to see what heaven had planned for the end of time. Heaven took Ezekiel on a visionary tour of a temple to be made visible in the distant future, possibly during the millennial reign. Possibly. In the chapter preceding our text, Ezekiel tours this magnificent structure. He sees the holy place, and his attention is drawn to the side chambers or storehouses tucked into the temple walls. As he climbed from the lowest to the highest floor of the temple, he noticed that the storehouses grew wider. Think, of, think now with me of one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Think about the, the, the pyramids of Giza. The, the base of such a pyramid was wide, but it was not wide at the top. The higher you go, the structure tapers. Ezekiel saw a wonder of the divine world. The higher one climbed, the wider it became. Almost as if to say that the closer we draw to heaven, the greater the supply. That's exactly what it's saying. The closer you get to heaven, the greater the supply. You see, when you are down in the diminuendo, then you're staying at the bottom. You see, we got an upside-down pyramid here, if you would. You're staying in that little narrow place all crimped up because it costs just a little bit. It's a little harder for someone to start going up in those wider places. We love to stay in those tight little things, you know, just tight little groups. Don't let me explore anything. Let me stay here in my little four walls and don't do anything else. Long as I can breathe, I'm okay. Just don't give me any more room than that. And that's where we stay. But you see, in Ezekiel, he saw something that said, you get higher, the provision gets more. You get higher, the provision gets more. I have never... In a long time, felt anything like I feel what I'm talking about right now. I have never felt the anointing in an area like I felt the anointing in this area. If I can break this spirit of heaviness, every prophecy that has come forth in this church for the last 20 years is going to come to pass. This is what's held us down. I'm talking in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you people that has got gifts and you're so depressed all the time, you need to break out of it. Now, I want to illustrate this simple but profound truth. This is a simple. In Exodus 19:19, when God met Moses atop the mountain to give him the law, we read that as God's Spirit began to move, a trumpet was heard. The trumpet sounded a long blast and grew louder and louder. God's word does not diminish. That was a crescendo. The trumpet began and got louder. You read it. And louder and louder. You understand that? We're somewhere right in the beginning of all this, right in it. And it's wanting to get louder, but we're holding it back by our attitudes. 
Maybe a few of you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe a few of you don't, but I hope so. I hope so. Next, when the prophet Samuel anointed the young shepherd boy to be the future king of Israel, and you remember that God had rejected Saul as king, notice what the Bible says about David and the house of King Saul. In 2 Samuel 3, 1, he said, Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. The one God rejected, the one that God rejected, rather, I'm sorry, grew weaker and weaker, but the one God blessed grew stronger and stronger. Diminuendo to crescendo. Saul began his reign as king in the spirit, but he ended in the flesh. You got that? He began in the spirit. You begin in the spirit, but if you're back there depressed or up here depressed, then you're messing with, the, with, with, with fleshly things, earthly things. You're ending in the flesh. Well, I hope you get this. My God, I wish I could communicate it the way I feel in my heart. The only way I could do it is get out of this body. That is the only way that I feel like I could really get what I'm trying to say to you. So, so we see how Saul, but David began his reign in the Spirit, and what did he end it in? He ended it in the Spirit. Like Ezekiel climbing in God's house, pleasing God invites expansion. When you please God, you expand. When you whine, complain, mess around, cause trouble, diminish yourself constantly in God's eyes and everybody's eyes around you, that's diminuendo. You're not pleasing God. You're not climbing any higher. You can sit back there and what I just don't understand why it's just not working out. I'll tell you why. Smile, love God, enjoy what you've got. Quit questioning. Quit pointing your finger at God. But pastor, I don't understand why these things are happening to me. Job 42 and 12. May I kindly answer this question with a question. Why not you? What makes you so special? I did that kindly. Are you any better than Job? Are you? He was a righteous man who prayed much, showed great compassion for his family, and he was generous to those whom he encountered. Yet Job experienced one trial after another, one after the other, after the other, after the other. It seemed like it was never going to stop. Unless we be tempted to say that the divine crescendo fails here, after all, Job lost almost everything, his children, his health, his wife's respect, his friends' support, and his livestock. Yet Job held to his integrity and his faith in God. Hear him shout, God gives, God takes away. But I'm going to praise God anyway. I just added a little bit there. But if we think the principle fails, look at the back of the book of Job. Job 42 and 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than he did the beginning. God is no respecter of persons. He loves to do great things for those who persistently plead His promises. 
Listen to me. You cannot get on your knees and begin to say, God, please, I'm you. You said you'll not let the, you know, you, the righteous will never be forsaken or the seed begging bread. You know, you're, you're going to give me all these good things. You, you, you said you, by your stripes we are healed. We go down this. And, and you get up and you give Eldar a God, you want to draw on me? You know, you either get so puffed up or you just got a mean spirit anyway. There's nothing worse than seeing somebody get something from God at the altar and they pray and they cry and they get, and they get up with a mean spirit. How can God be? I, I, I think God ought to thump them. Get that mean spirit. Never smile on your face. Never look good. Never put on aftershave or perfume. Slack on your deodorant. Run everybody off. In fact, even the mosquitoes leave you alone. But you got something from God. If you got something from God, it's going to lighten you. It's going to lighten you. You're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to say, yeah, you know, this, this is really going to work out. I, I, God's going to do this for me. I, I can't wait to tell everybody, you know, God did it for me, He'll do it for you. And, you know, God did it for me, He'll do it for you. And, and that's how you are when you get something from God. So don't tell me you have anything if you've got a bad spirit. Listen, child of God, don't get lost in many questions in the book of Job. Don't get lost in the sickness, the pain, the confusion, and the loss. There's an anchor in the last chapter. Okay? God is going to bless the latter end more than the beginning, and God will bless the latter end more than the beginning. The latter rain will be greater than the former rain. Hold on for the crescendo. The great finale is coming. High tide is on its way. We're going to float out of here. But preacher, it's dark. I'm okay. Let's let's let's. I, I'm sorry. Let's go to the next illustration for that person who just said that. <clears throat> Proverbs 4:18. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto a perfect day. I know the way grows dreary for the moment. I know the clouds hang low for the moment. But it will not always be this way. There is a crescendo of light coming, a dawning of a brand new day. That's what this man's looking for. This is, this, was, this is what I expect. I don't care what we have to endure, what we're going through. I'm looking for a crescendo at the end of all this. God doesn't do something. Oh, come on. He doesn't do something unless it gets better all the way through. It's going to get so much better one day, and we're going to be so happy that all of a sudden that trumpet's going to sound, and we're going to be translated and taken out of here. Isaiah 9 and 6, after telling us that Jesus is a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, Isaiah said, and of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Jesus keeps on increasing. Roll a stone before Him and He'll rise again. Send one of His children into a seemingly dead end and they'll find the thoroughfare of God's grace. Yeah. 
Ezekiel said, the higher, the wider, the higher, the wider, the higher, the wider. The more I climb, the more I can see. Later in the same vision, Ezekiel comes to the front of the temple facing east towards a new day. He sees a thin stream of water flowing over the threshold. The Spirit bids him to follow it. As Ezekiel followed the river, he noticed the further he went, the wider it became. He waded in the river 1,500 feet, water to his knees, 1,500 feet, water to his waist, 1,500 feet, water to his chest. Nearly a mile into the river, there was waters deep enough to swim in. Are you all? almost there are you almost there Mm. but wait good what began so small get ready I'll get rid of you began so small and only as wide as the gate was now deep and wide Ezekiel saw this magnificent torrent representing God's Spirit hit the Dead Sea. Okay? What had been dead came to life. What was dead came to life. What once was hopeless was now hopeful. Think of that. God does not enlarge and bless without purpose. His power is given to pour into the neediest places of our lives. What God wants to do is to take that which is dead pour into it and make life come out of it. The divine crescendo. Oh, I've got more. Just one more, because I know some of you are just hard-headed. You say, look, I've been this mean and hungry for a long time, bless God, and that's what I'm going to do. Don't you try to change me, preacher, because I can just I can wait you out. You know, I was here when you came. I'll be here when you're gone. In Christ's first miracle, we see the divine crescendo. He takes ordinary water and turns it into spectacular wine. The governor of the feast spit and sputtered, and he said, Everyone else gives the best wine first, but you save the best for last. Yes, that's God's modus operandi. That's the way he does it. God tells Moses, You think you failed? You came so close to the promised land. But didn't go in. You think you're washed up? Let me show you the divine crescendo here. Hang on now. Hundreds of years later, you're sitting with Jesus in the promised land, according to Mark 9. Oh, things were so bad. I mean, he didn't get to go into Canaan land, but he got to go into the promised land. John Mark! You feel silly, you failed God as a young man, you feel you're all washed up. Not so. Paul will soon be calling for you saying, he's profitable to me. There's work to be done. This is the divine crescendo. Simon, do you think your story will end with bitter tears? Get up, go fishing. That's where you met God to begin with. Sometimes that's what you have to do. You go back to where you met God to begin with. Mm. You know what's going to happen to you, Peter? You're going to go out there and you'll get a great... You're going to get a whole stringer full of fish. I mean, they're going to be so big, it's going to take... It's going to take... Brother Williams coming with his, with his bulldozer to pull them things out. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be so good. Then you're going to turn your back on fishing and go out and fish for men. The divine crescendo. Jonah, do you think... This is all she wrote. Do you think your life is going to end being digested by a big fish? 
Best you can get on your knees and face Jerusalem, cry out to the one, the one who, the one who can lift you from the deep. Get ready for a divine crescendo. What does it take? It takes getting on your knees, going back to the place where you met him. Paul said that our outward man perishes, but day by day by day, there's a lifting, there's a renewing, there's a strengthening. You aren't getting weaker. You're growing stronger. Listen, it may not be exactly the way it once was. It's because you're better now. You know more now. You're wiser now. And your worship is even greater now. Why? Because there's a depth to it. You understand what it's like to go through the fires. You understand what it's like to be hurt. You understand that there's a God bigger than all of it. you notice something about, about Ezekiel? He didn't want to stay in the lower levels. He wanted to go up. He wanted to climb higher. Things look a little bleak where you are. Then get higher. You know, listen, listen to me. If you haven't figured it out yet, you need to get higher. The only way you're going to do is worship. And you get out there and you worship regardless. If nobody else does it, you do it. If nobody else loves God, you love God. Nobody else wants to run the house, you run the house. Nobody else wants to dance, you dance. And when you don't, it's a sure sign you're living too close to the world. In the days of waning supply, ascend into a divine crescendo. When the market is played out, God will show out. Oh, are you hearing me now? When it's all said and done, you got a God that's going to show you just how big He really is. Come on now. He will crown favor on His people. He'll do it. He will bless you. Stronger and stronger, louder and louder. Hear me. Life more abundant. Come on, let's sing. Step in, step in, step in and 